0: Hello and welcome to The Coach's Corner, sponsored by Calibrated Physical Therapy. We are on a mission to help 100,000 youth volleyball athletes avoid injuries before 2030. The best way we can do this is educate the people who have the most contact with youth volleyball athletes, and that's the coach. Please know that the information in this discussion is for educational purposes only. It is not a diagnosis or treatment. You are advised to seek medical attention if you are having pain or need further examination. Thank you for listening and helping all of us at Calibrated Physical Therapy to help reach our goal and keep these kids safe.
1: Hello, what's going on? I'm Dr. Ashley Schrum. I'm a physical therapist and volleyball enthusiast. I'm joined by Coach Will, and Coach Will's going to go ahead and give himself an introduction and talk about what we're uh, tell us about what we're going to talk about today.
2: Uh, so my name's Coach Will. I've been coaching for about sixteen. I don't know, sixteen years. I've been playing for about 20, over 20 plus now. Um, I guess basically right now is I have dealt with a few kids and I, well, I think I might've misdiagnosed myself, I don't know, with plantar fasciitis. So I don't know enough about it really. So I'm hoping that uh, Dr. Shrum can help me with that really.
1: Cool. So let's break it up like this. Let's do a talk about, adults with plantar fasciitis first and then we'll kind of end with kids um okay that not fair yeah it's gonna be a little different <laughs> there's a couple of things that pop up in children that really don't happen in adults um, anymore because of growth plates. so we will talk right. about adults first all right so hit me you have a question or you just want me to jib jab about it
2: what, is, what would be the easiest way to identify if someone, in fact, has plantar fasciitis versus any of the other possible things that are going wrong with your foot or ankle or whatever?
1: Okay, so plantar fasciitis, um, I've, I just did a live in our Facebook group, so you'll see. But plantar fasciitis mm. is often, I think, misdiagnosed for something else. So key factors of, is this plantar fasciitis or not? So the location of the pain matters, right? So it's on the bottom okay. of the foot, close to the heel, or, or in the middle of the arch, kind of in that area. Okay. Um, that okay. is your plantar fascia, right? So if you have okay. pain there, that's your number one. And when you have pain, and the quality of the pain are the biggest key factors that go off in my head to say, okay, this is probably true plantar fasciitis versus let me look at something else. Okay true plantar fasciitis is really going to come on and it feels like your bottom of your foot is ripping or getting stabbed. Like it feels like it's just a knife is just going right across the bottom of your foot, right in those areas. Right. Okay, so yep. that is what we're looking for, for the quality of the pain. Um, okay. It shouldn't be burnt. It really doesn't burn. It doesn't last for a long time. It's kind of like just momentary, like real quick all of a sudden this really searing kind of pain uh, on the bottom of your foot, like a knife just went and came right up your foot.
2: So is it possible like when your feet are stagnant for a little while and
1: That's then the suddenly you wake
2: up with mm-hmm. uh, pain at the area, mm-hmm. it can be fine. Okay. Okay.
1: That's the next part. So when you experience the pain, so let, let me back up a little bit. So the quality of the pain, it shouldn't be burning. It shouldn't be, cold it shouldn't be numb and tingly it shouldn't feel like ants are down there like it shouldn't okay. feel like a feather's tickling you it's a it's a pretty I mean just think about a nice cut and drip. that's pretty much what okay. it feels like right like it, and it's quick but, it doesn't last for a long time right um, so that's the first thing the second thing is if you haven't been on your feet for a while it's so it's if you've been like you wake up in the morning it's usually like the first couple steps in the morning first 10 steps or so in the morning are like hell and you're like okay that's and that's the only time you have it or if you've been sitting down say to watch a movie or something and you go to stand up again you're like holy cow boom i'm hit with that same pain that's likely plantar fasciitis plantar fasciitis is not going to be something like oh i was i was jogging um all day long or i was at the gym and i was On the treadmill for 30 minutes and then i had foot pain no that's usually not plantar fasciitis right that's that keeps me to think about something else it's usually after a period of of unweighted or not putting pressure through the foot and then all of a sudden you put pressure through it again boom you get that pain real quick it lasts you know a little bit maybe lasts 30 seconds or so to a minute where you're like oh that was intense and then it calms down And then it'll come back as you put pressure on it again and kind of flushes like that. So that's the the biggest factors of, okay, if I'm, if I'm hearing that from somebody, it's likely plantar fasciitis. If they start talking about some of these other factors, burning, tingling, numbness, um, they start telling me that they have it all day long or only if they're in certain positions. I'm like, okay, that's probably not plantar fasciitis. that, That may be something else. Um, if it's burning, numb and tingly, it's usually a nerve. But, okay. deep, deep, deep pain that you can't touch. Like, I can't touch it. it does, like, if I push on your plantar fascia in that area on the foot, it usually hurts. But okay. if I'm sitting there pushing around and you're like, no, 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 it's really deep in there. I can't touch it. It's probably uh-huh. a nerve pain. Okay. It's probably not the plantar fascia. Okay.
2: So, I mean, is it possible that... When let's say it, you're you're using your feet now, but then the pain goes away. But when you poke and prod, it'll actually you'll feel the pain again. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That can be plantar fasciitis. Okay. Um. So that's that's really not fun to have. And plantar fasciitis is not something that just happened because you did something one time. It's usually something that's been building up for a year, if not longer. Okay. Like, there's been some kind of breakdown in your movement for over a year, and then finally the plantar fascia gives up and starts having pain, right? Like, it, it doesn't just come on, usually. If, if it's something that's sudden, like a trauma that's sudden, you're likely more likely to have a plantar fascia rupture or a tear somewhere in it than you are to actually have okay. plantar fasciitis. Um, that's okay. something that takes time. It builds up. Like I said, it, it takes time for those mechanics of how you're moving and those kinematics of movement to actually shift enough pressure down to your plantar fascia to cause okay. you to have this pain in the morning when you wake up. Or, you know, after periods of stagnation. So there's okay. breakdown somewhere in the chain that is putting extra pressure there. And likely that's why people have it. Or you're mm-hmm. not training your feet <clears throat> appropriately to be strong enough to, to do the task. But a lot of the time it's a combination of the foot itself intrinsically or the muscles that start and stop in the foot are not strong enough to support the plantar fascia as well as stuff in okay. the hip like the glutes not doing their job and, and translating all the force down in a funky way okay um, that's what i see a lot of the time anyway so that's it kind of stinks but you know and it takes a while to go away it's not something that you treat just one time it's, you have to put work in, right? Because if you think about it, it took a year or more before you had symptoms
2: for it to happen. Most of
1: the time. It's going to take a long time to go away. It's, okay. You know, it'll start to go away and you might start to do a little bit more and then it might pop back up again, kind of flare up again. And then you treat it some and then it goes down. But the whole time you're working on it, um, it takes a while. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of effort once you have that foot pain to make it go away. Um, but there are things you can do right there's gradual okay. things you can do but that's that's definitely not the best thing
2: so i guess what would you say would be the most severe case of plantar fasciitis before it turns into something worse i guess well, that,
1: i guess that just kind of depends on the person right because my severe and your severe are going to be totally different based on our so pain it's a, tolerance it's, it's in, based in, on internal tiring. pain okay. mm-hmm. so can your plantar just become something more sure if you keep going on it you can tear the fascia you can turn it into a chronic instability of the foot um, okay. if you're really pushing hard you could even rupture um, other tendons that are trying to take over and help out um, that come from the ankle down into the foot but most of the time it's just a lot of pain Right. And it limits your activity. You don't, want to, you don't want to do things, or you're constantly walking, which then just creates more of a problem. Right. Because, because you're walking, you're getting both It feels good, and then you rest, and it's like, oh, that hurt. Well, it's just okay. going to keep hurting more the more you keep pushing on it. So that's a vicious right. cycle um, once you get to that point. Okay. So let's talk about um, t- t- easy things that people can change right now to yeah. decrease to decrease risk of plantar fasciitis the number one thing is flip-flops our shoes without a back sandals fine if it has a back strap on it a flip-flop is not fine so flip-flops are like the number one thing that i can tell people that they can change right now to help themselves and let me tell you why that is because with flip-flops your toes try to grip the ground the whole time and so you're okay. creating a lot of pressure under the bottom of your foot so the only thing that's that's holding that flip-flop on truthfully as your toes gripping it and that creates a lot of pressure in the foot and can irritation of the plantar fascia so the easiest the easiest thing people can do is not wear flip-flops or limit the use of (laughs) flip-flops right most people do so i wear flip-flops sometimes but i don't wear my flip-flops to like walk my dog i wear them short like if i'm going to go to the court from my car to the court I put on my flip-flops. And then I, okay. if I'm going indoor, I'll put on my court shoes. If I'm outdoor playing, I just play barefoot because I know my feet are strong enough to play barefoot.
2: So, as long as it's not your everyday shoe, it's just that, your every once in a while time. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a sometimes snack, right? <laughs> like, it's not everyday. Yeah. It's not fair, all day, everyday kind of wear. But the easiest thing, that, and it's not while your foot's irritated. So if you're <clears> having plantar fascia symptoms, buy flip-flops for a little bit. All right, like goodbye flip-flops. Wear shoes, wear a sandal that has a back to it. I don't know. What are the most common brands I think right now are Charco and Teva. Like they have a sandal that has the back to it. So that's the first thing that you guys can do that have plantar crash of paint, right?
2: Okay.
1: Second thing is um, getting appropriate insert into the shoe. So something that has some arch support. So this is one of the only times that I'm an advocate for these inserts, truthfully. Um, something that has appropriate arch support and that elevates and does a little heel lift. Okay. So you don't go with a zero drop at that time. You do a little heel lift, something with a little heel to it, not a huge amount, three quarters of an inch to an inch, really small. Most of the time I can't, I can't say that for, but most of the time that's all you need. And we kind of wean out of that insert, but it helps if you're having a lot of symptoms, it truly does help to alleviate that. It takes some pressure off of the plantar fascia because it shortens the structures up a little bit to allow it to support. So it doesn't put as much stress on it as your foot goes flat. And then you gradually decrease, decrease, decrease the size of that arch support and heel lift over time. And gradually, I mean, every two, three weeks, it's going down by maybe a quarter of an inch. So those are the two mm-hmm. things that I think people can do pretty quickly for themselves is stop wearing foot flops and get an appropriate arch support size for you. And that may be that you go and you try a couple different ones to see, okay, how does my foot fit? Um, okay. A lot of these shoe stores mm. sell them and they allow you to try them before you do it. And you can feel which ones feel good on your feet, you know, which one has uh-huh. um, a little bit of a heel lift and a good and a good medial arch or good arch support for you. Okay. Which everyone's different. That, that term is going to be relative to everyone's specific foot because, Everyone's unique. So, the arch and the way that it looks at the time is going to be different. Some people have really flat feet and have plantar fasciitis, and some people have a foot with a pretty decent arch and still have plantar fasciitis. Um, it just kind of okay. depends on you.
2: So, a, a couple questions really, because um, I'm going to grab my inserts that I bought from online. They're supposedly from, they're recommended by some Olympic players um, from a company called Victory, and they're supposed to be very buoyant. Um, that, I've seen the demonstrations where they literally bend them and they flip up uh, to where they're high enough to go over the goalpost. Oh,
1: cool! Um,
2: And um, some of the uh, Olympic players even recommended them too. So I was like, "Well, if an Olympian recommends it, I'm probably trying Um, too." At the same time, I had a question about the. So like you were you were saying like just have something to uh, release tension from the fascia, and the heel raise. Um, comment that you had made it was a weird it was a weird thought I don't know why I thought about it but I would never wear them necessarily what if you were to wear heels like especially for ladies is like do heels help or hurt the potential minor to major plantar fasciitis? yeah
1: so big old heels hurt it make it worse so uh, like six inch stiletto heels that you'll see women okay. wearing no I'm talking, like, um, let's say, like, a men's dress shoe a lot of the time has a little heel to it. Okay. Or we call them kitty pumps in female fashion, right? So they're just a little guy. Or um, a clog usually has a little heel to it. Um, A lot of women's boots and men's boots have a little heel to them. Like cowboy boots usually have a little heel to them. That little amount. I'm not talking like that. A three four inch stiletto heel I could go into a whole thing about dress women's dress shoes and fashion that it's just not meant most fashion (laughs) is not meant for the feet is when it comes to actual good foot health there is rarely a shoe out there that really is good for feet they're more for fashion than function okay um and that's 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 a whole soapbox on its own because shoe a selection plays a big role in foot health um but we can, I can do a whole different thing on shoe selection because there's a whole bunch of crap out there.
2: Um, it's only because a lot of my kids they also wear um, uh, what are, Birkenstocks and Crocs. Mm-hmm. Like, are those helpful for? Yeah, yeah they
1: can be. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, they can be because they have a little heel to them. Um, but well, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. So the Birkenstocks are okay as long as they have the ones that have the heel strap to them. A lot of kids don't, they have the sandal or the slide and they have the clog here. I noticed in Colorado, that's especially here. Um, they don't have a back strap to them. No. So that's, that's already kind of a, one of those things that you're like, okay, if you're having that pain, bye-bye about- bye to the slides. Yeah. Goodbye to the slides. So that's one thing, but, um, yeah, the, the Crocs are okay because they have a back strap And If they're fitting your foot right. A lot of people buy Crocs and they're too big because their foot's around mm-hmm. and That's fine. But um, as long as they fit right, the Crocs can actually be a, a good alternative. Um, okay. I'm not a Crocs Croc fan. I just, the way they fit on my feet, the way they fit <laughs> on my feet doesn't feel right. Like I haven't found one that I'm like, okay, that feels nice. But I'm also a barefoot person. So I'm barefoot 95% of the time. The moment I can take okay. a shoe off, it's off like, but that's just me. Um, That's not everybody. So I want to go back to these um, inserts that you have talked about. I, I've heard of them. Okay. I think I've seen that video, the ad that they have where they spring it and it comes up and the whole thing about them that they, that's why they show you that they can do that is it's acting like a spring. So it's doing some of the work of your plantar fascia and your muscles are helping them along right
2: okay right
1: so that that's why they i think they i'm trying to look it up right now that they're trying to advertise that they can make you run faster jump higher be more explosive more of a high performance insole does that sound right right okay yep so that's what they're going after i don't know how they can make those claims Truthfully, I don't. I don't.
2: I haven't tried but, them yet, so I,
1: Yeah, I but if they fit you well and they they fit your foot well, they fit your arch well, they keep you in a good position, then great, go for them. You know, um, I like the concept that they are loaded like a spring, like that, to help you propel yourself forward and taking some of that work away. But an insole right. is like a it's a brace. So just like you wouldn't wear a neck brace 24-7, you wouldn't wouldn't depend on a neck brace your whole life. You wouldn't depend on a back brace your whole life. You shouldn't depend on an insert in your shoe your whole life. Or for very long periods of time in general. Uh, It could be for short times and and getting over plantar fasciitis, trying to help you get through that. But you're also going to have to dose down from whatever level that insert is back to barefoot or back to being able to walk around barefoot, which is a problem for most people with plantar fasciitis. Right. It hurts to be barefoot. They want to be in a shoe or in something to help support or them all the time.
2: To be dependent on the insole.
1: Correct, and you, I mean, okay. most people will get, they'll get custom orthotics or those something, and then they'll keep them. No, you, the goal is to help you, that's a brace, to help you get back to your normal function unless you have gotcha. some kind of foot bone structure deformity you really shouldn't be in that all the time um it's okay. a, again a sometimes snack <laughs>
2: okay uh so question for you and i thought about this for a long time too i don't know enough about i guess i guess bone the foot whether or not it could potentially morph or not because I, I feel like the human body can be pretty amazing at times Is it possible that if someone who doesn't have a very big arch in their foot, can they kind of slowly progress one back into their foot?
1: Yes. Well, there's actually three three arches in the foot. Um, So you have the medial arch, which everybody, that's what everyone refers to as the arch, right? So that's Mm -hmm. on the the inside of your foot. They say, here's the arch. It's actually an arch on the other side of your foot called a lateral arch. And then there's an arch technically in the foot that comes across transverse arch. There's actually three arches in your feet. Um, Most people don't know that. They just think the arch or have an arch. And yeah, right. Why would you know that unless you've studied it? It's not common knowledge to most public, but I hope to make it common knowledge to most public um, is that there's actually three arches of the foot. And okay. you, can, you can build strength up and you can change them. However, sometimes your foot structure is just your foot structure. Some people have really okay. high arches. Some people have really flat arches. Some people are somewhere in the middle. Some people's bone is bigger on one side than the other, right? Like just how you grew and, and sometimes that's how it is. But you can, just because you have flat feet does not mean you have weak feet. They can still be very strong and functional and you can still work on these same muscles that somebody with a high arch would work on or whatever. They might just be a little bit different, but you can change your foot structure. Like my arch has changed over time as my foot and ankle and calf have become stronger. And I used to wear braces on my legs as a kid. So they've changed a lot since I was little to now. You have to put in the effort, just like anything and your feet are your foundation. So if you're having issues at your foundation, you definitely want to put in the effort there to see changes all the way through. If you have five minutes a day to do something super simple, you can put in toe spreaders. Okay. That's another Um, pretty easy thing to do.
2: It's like as I've, um, so when I initially started playing volleyball and I had other stuff, I was doing martial at the same time where it was very feet oriented. Um, I had arches and then they slowly went away after a while. I mean, I guess is it possible to uh, get them back or sure. is it pretty much a done deal? Oh, you can
1: yeah, you should be able to. They if you, if your structure was, Yeah, if your structure was there where you're like, Okay, I've I've had an arch in my foot most of my life and then it's just kind of flattened out or it appears flattened out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should be able to build that back up to be your your normal, unless you've had bone spurring come in on some of these joints that doesn't allow the bones to fluctuate and move anymore, then you shouldn't be able to. Huh. Yeah. I mean, our bodies are fascinating like that, right? Like you used to have an arch, you kind of flattened. Yes, you you should be able to get it back. I'll take that too. Yeah. So let's talk about um, things you can do if you have true plantar fasciitis. Easy things you can do. Right. So stop wearing flip-flops, get an appropriate insert in your shoe or wear a shoe with a slight lift to it. Okay. You want to make sure you stretch your calves and you foam roll your calves and you do massage on your calves. You want to slowly stretch out the plantar fascia over time. Right. So you can do that by pulling your big toe back
2: okay
1: just slowly kind of pulling it back that can be painful too for people that have plantar fasciitis but you don't want to go to that like ripping pain just kind of slightly pull it back to you a stretch okay Um, but biggest thing you're going to want to do is stretch out your calf because that's why your plantar fascia ends up getting irritated a lot of times in the first place because your your achilles your gastrocnemius and your soleus complex they kind of fail they fail you from being too short Um, they're not a lot they're not going through their full range of motion so it shifts a lot of pressure down into the foot Um, next thing you can do is get some gel toe spreaders you put those on and you just wear them for a couple minutes and just by separating the toes out a little bit your the muscles inside of your feet are going to start working so you don't want to do it for a long time with the toe spreaders you want to build up to it Um, at first three minutes three three like minutes is enough um most people to start before their foot gets really sore that's a toe spreader is huge especially if you're in tight shoes all day long so if you do wear a dress shoe or not because they're pushing your feet together and you want your foot to be functional and really be able to work so those are just quick easy things you can do another thing that i found very helpful for my patients that really do have plantar fasciitis um, is dry needling or acupuncture if you've ever heard of that You go in and put a small millimeter needle into the muscle. It creates a load, a physiological effect. So all sorts of different chemical compounds come through that get released in your body and help the muscles to relax. Basically, you go in and you create a micro trauma and restart the inflammatory process. So that I found to be extremely helpful for my folks that have true plantar fasciitis, um, especially if they've been dealing with it for a little bit. Right. It's very helpful for most people. I can't say all, but I will say most of my patients tend to get better faster or feel okay. relief faster um, when we use that modality, when we use that as part of treatment. Make sure it's someone that's certified, has gone through training right, to have it done. Don't just let friends oh. come over and stick a needle in. <laughs> unless your that friend
2: could turn trained- out really awful.
1: Yeah, it that could, that unless could your are trained to bad. But those are, those are honestly some low-hanging fruit. Change your shoe wear. Take care of your calves. Stretch your big toe back. Wear some toe spreaders. You can commit to that every day, and you're going to start feeling better. Like, Okay. I've never had anyone who said, I don't feel better with this, as long as they commit <laughs> to actually doing it. Okay. So that's some help yourself let's talk about screening for if you really do have plantar fasciitis or not some simple things that if you're going to see someone, regardless of who you're seeing, a podiatrist, a medical doctor, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, an athletic trainer, a sports medicine doctor, an orthopedic specialist, whoever you're going to see about your plantar fasciitis or your foot pain should look elsewhere as well, just to screen and see. So even if it's just pain, even if it's just, it sounds like plantar fasciitis, I still always evaluate and screen out other things. So I want to make sure I prove my hypothesis right or wrong, right? like I'm trying to prove myself right. wrong. If I think it's plantar fasciitis, I'm trying to prove myself wrong um, and, f- and look through other things. And it's a pretty quick screen. Um, so a lot of times I, t- I ask people to stand up. We walk around for a minute. So if they say the pain goes away, they're pain free, they're standing. I say bend forward and touch your toes. Does that create the pain okay. or not stand up and, and bend, raise your hands over your head and bend backwards. Does that change the foot, the pain in your foot at all? Okay. And then I'll have them sit and I'll just say, sit down nice and upright and kick your foot out, pulling it up. Like you're just kicking the leg out. That should literally, if it's plantar okay. fasciitis, that should cause nothing. Zero pain should happen right then. Okay. But some people do, they have pain. And I'm like, okay, if you're sitting down and you kick your foot up and it hasn't been painful, like it's feeling pretty good. And all of a sudden you pull your foot up and it's all, you get that big surge of symptoms. I'm really going to dive in and start looking at the nerves and the nervous system um, and playing with it and saying, okay, that's I, that's not plantar fasciitis. You may have some underlying tones of plantar fasciitis, but the true pain that you've been, that you've been complaining of is likely nerve pain. If you're, if you're getting this diagnosis, like, make sure someone's screening you. They're not just saying, listening to your symptoms and going, oh, yeah, you have plantar fasciitis. Here, you would use this right. night splint, roll some, roll a water bottle on the bottom of it. Get a cortisol okay. injection. No. Right? Really? So, like, yeah, or, or something they'll call, um, oh, what is a treatment I've had some people see, where they do, like, a sound wave therapy on the bottom of your feet. Okay. I can't remember the name of the technical. It's a sound wave therapy where they just send waves in and, and hope to build inflammation again. If it's truly what you have, it could be beneficial. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of, some people think it's beneficial. Some people not in my experience with patients when I asked them about it. I, I think the easiest things you can do are the things I mentioned. Change your shoe wear, stretch your big toes, stretch your calves, massage your calves, get some toe spreaders, change your habits a little bit. an evaluation of your total gait right maybe get some dry needling along the way if you're going that way or acupuncture if you're going to see someone about it make sure they do a couple of these modalities too just to help you along the way and get a good evaluation make sure it's plantar fasciitis and get a good plan a whole body plan you know of what you could be doing that's causing your plantar fascia to have irritation
2: okay um, is there anything that you could do, I guess, obviously there's, um, things you could do in their environment. Is there things that you could either eat or maybe just drink a ton of water so that way it doesn't, uh, more tension? or I don't know. I'm just trying to think, is there anything else that I could do besides change the, change my shoe and stretch other stuff? As
0: far as eating and drinking, I'm not a nutritionist. I have okay. a little bit of nutrition studies behind me but not enough that i can say okay these are things that you absolutely should do it is an inflammatory process so you could do things to decrease the inflammation in your body such as drinking an adequate amount of water is huge limiting sugar intake um really watching how much sugar you drink and eat at that time and then making sure you're getting good vegetables that help decrease inflammation in your body Um, okay but that's about as far as my knowledge of that goes okay i kind of want to talk use in, I want to look this up. I don't, I can't say definitively if playing on the court or sand or grass is, has more instances of people with plantar fascia pain or not. So has it more often, mm-hmm. but I would assume that playing on a softer surface where your feet have to work harder right. a lot of time, like sand and grass would increase your risk just because of the surface type it's uneven your feet and your muscles and your feet have to work a ton. Whereas the court is hard and it's pretty even. So your foot still has to work, but I would, I would assume, I don't really know. I'd have to look this up, but I would assume that grass and sand would make your foot work harder and then may increase your symptoms if you're trying to come back. So say plantar fascia pain has taken you out of play. It might be better to start play again on a hard court right in your shoe, in your insert, and then kind of dose down till yeah. sand play, you're either in like a sand sock or barefoot. They don't have sand shoes, do they? I don't know. Um, I've never seen anybody wear them.
2: I technically have sand socks. There is one brand where there's like a really hard uh, bottom, but it speci- it's specifically has uh, openings for gesture toes.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's
2: like a, it's like a toe, toe shoe i guess is a good okay,
1: yeah
2: um it's got a hard rubber on on the bottom so it's i've seen them but they're yeah, not been, super common
0: okay i was gonna say i've never really i always just see sand socks or barefoot and sand and same in grass it's a mix people play barefoot sand
2: socks I'll, I'll wear shoes
0: whatever right that's mostly rec rec players a lot of time we're gonna play or or just like for fun kind of play happens more in the grass i think than mm. than super like Going at it, but there's grass tournaments and things that go down, so that's kind of cool, right? Um, but yeah, I don't, I would say that would probably be harder to play in those surfaces than hardcore. But I will honestly, I have to do a little research before I say definitively, yeah, yes or no, because I don't, I'm just using kind of my own thoughts and opinions on that one.
2: I think, uh, in a way, grass could be well, I mean, it depends on the grass, the field,
0: mm-hmm. right? Um, like
2: just because, um, there's chance instances where. The grass is very uneven versus very very even,
1: right? Um, muddy. So,
2: I think grass could be a give or take uh, mm-hmm. more relatable to sand or hardcore, really. So, as far as like let's say I'm coaching a team and I want to make sure that there's at least at least their symptoms won't pop up in the middle of a game because um, obviously they're not gonna, they're going to ignore me and play anyway. <laughs> How do I? So it was like, do I just tell them to stay? You know, keep keep moving, even just slight minor weight shifts or, you know, something like that while on the sideline or not
0: really? So if, the, if they're having that, they, they need to mod up, they need to have less activity. So they're okay. going they're not going to be able to do two hours at a time. If, if at two hours the next day they're feeling terrible, plus all the other things that they have to do in the day, they they might get a short amount of practice or they're getting okay. practice on different skills where you're not constantly on your toes. I'm okay. not doing a lot of landing, jumping and landing. I, don't, I can't okay. do a whole lot of drills and volleyball that don't involve that, but maybe the mental aspect of the game or, or thinking about plays and how you move different scenarios, um, things that are or shortened, you know, instead of two hours of practice, they're doing 30 minutes, Okay. and then they're done. Kind of okay. depends on their response to treatment or to their response to the activity the next that night or the next morning a lot of the time. Um, but kids are totally different so kids a lot of it's they have a growth plate right at the heel bone Uh so at the calcaneus they have a growth plate there and um, most children will honestly I don't know how how rare or not rare it is to actually get plantar fascia fasciitis as a child most of these kids get diagnosed with a growth di- plate disorder so okay an injury to the growth plate before they get in a diagnosis of plantar fasciitis it's called uh, calcaneal apophysitis or severs disease okay. severs s-e-v-e-r-s but uh, disease and that's a whole that's a growth plate injury so they'll get pain at the heel pain with landing pain with running it, it sounds pretty similar to plantar fasciitis truthfully but it's a lot of time with impact is when they get the pain okay so that would be um something totally different and that is more common i would say i honestly i have to look it up again which is more common but this would be kind of geared towards more towards coaches and older kids you know kids that are 18 19 um, 17 18, 19 something like that they really are like more likely to be having plantar fasciitis or a nerve injury than they are severs or calcaneal hophysitis okay. that's more in your kids that are close to puberty and younger okay.
2: and off the top of my head i can't think of anything else
0: yeah, I'm um, kind of pretty well about what you can do i definitely want people right. if they have this to see someone about their movements and have a full kind of screen of how you move how you're walking and how you're doing some of these things
1: All right, that concludes our episode on plantar fasciitis with Coach Will. Thank you to Coach Will for coming on and asking about this nasty little pain in the foot. I want to apologize for the static and change in my voice volume from minutes 33 to 35. I had a little technology fail. My headphones lost their charge and the microphone had to change. Whoopsies! sorry. If you'd like to contact Coach Will about private lessons, his email is W-I-L-L-I-A-M period Q-U-A-C-H at volleyball.com coach will is available to anyone in the geographical areas between cheyenne Wyoming, and colorado springs colorado he's a heads-up coach and is bringing professionalism to the sport of volleyball thank you again coach will and thank you all for listening